Good morning, Chris. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jim. Of course, it's full disclosure with the Better Government Association every Wednesday morning at this time. We want to get right into it because there's certainly a lot to talk about. Uh, and, and David, we didn't get to have you with us last week, uh, but in the last couple of weeks, uh, we have seen what I think may be a record for current sitting Democratic members of the Illinois General Assembly calling for Mike Medigan to, to, step, to step down as Speaker. Now, some of those are in the Senate rather than the House, but uh, several House Democrats have also said it's time for Madigan to go. Uh, you know, we have over the decades had countless times where people have said Madigan's on the ropes. He's finally going down. It's never happened. Does this time feel different to you in the midst of this Exelon ComEd investigation and uh, the fact that it's gotten uh, just right to the speaker's doorstep? I think that the breadth of the investigation um, and the fact that uh, the plea agreement with Commonwealth Edison specifically makes reference to uh, uh, House Speaker Michael Madigan as public official A, and then later connects the dots, just in case anybody was confused. That makes this feel very different. And if there was any doubt, then the U.S. attorney uh, also, on the same day that the uh, plea agreement was, was entered, uh, issued subpoenas with regard to three other companies, not just Commonwealth Edison, uh, Walgreens, uh, AT&T, and uh, Rush Medical Center. Uh, so this shows that the federal government uh, is circling Michael Madigan in a way that we have not seen before. And that's one of the reasons that you're seeing an, an unusual number of both Democrats and Republicans uh, kind of distance themselves from him. Uh, Tara Costa Howard of Glenn Allen, a Democrat, uh, said it, that the uh, uh, plea agreement, quote, makes it impossible for Madigan to continue in his leadership roles. Uh, the governor has been a little less direct on this. Uh, the governor is trying to uh, both uh, be critical of Mr. Madigan whilst, while not calling for him to res resign or step down from leadership. And that's going to continue to be a drama as we go forward. You know, it's got to be noted that uh, when this all started to break, Mike Madigan apparently did something that he, he doesn't often do and certainly never does on a cell phone, which is start working the phones, calling around to members, taking the temperature of his caucus. And when that was all done, he came back and said, I'm not going anywhere. The feedback was positive. Uh, so right now, it appears the speaker believes he still has enough support within the Democratic House caucus to hang on uh, to the speakership. Uh, he doesn't seem to be inclined to give up his leadership of the Democratic Party of Illinois. Uh, and, and until and unless another shoe drops, uh, Mike Madigan says he's not going anywhere. But, but David, do you see uh, uh, other potential pressure on him. I mean, obviously, if there's an indictment, obviously, if there is something uh, that directly implicates the speaker as opposed to indirectly, as we've seen now, uh, that that changes everything. But do, do you envision any other scenario by which Mike Madigan goes, particularly before the November election? Well, one would a couple of things to keep an eye on. First of all, to the extent that uh, the vote on Governor Pritzker's graduated tax proposal looks close, and to the extent that Republicans uh, appear to be successful in connecting Madigan to that proposal, uh, then you may see more pressure on the governor to do something and, and call for Mike Madigan to step down. If the governor thinks that his pet proposal is at risk, 
because the GOP is being successful in their effort right now to uh, basically imply that a vote for the progressive tax is a vote endorsing the Mike Madigan legislature, putting their trust and faith in that Madigan-led legislature in the future, which is the the argument they're beginning to make. Uh, Then you may see Pritzker uh, change his tune. Uh, The other would be that if any of the Democrats um, who are uh, benefiting right now from Madigan money uh, or Madigan backing start distancing themselves, for example, returning uh, Mike Madigan money. And I think that the opponents of these uh, candidates across the state are going to make a big deal out of the fact that people uh, in the legislature seeking reelection uh, are are uh, are continuing to be close to the speaker. So the politics of the situation could change over the night between now and election day, and it's something for us to continue uh, to monitor. It, it should be noted that Republicans in Illinois for years have been collectively running against Mike Madigan and made him a focal point of a lot of what they've done. And we've seen the results. They're in the super minority in both the House and the Senate, uh, and uh, Democrats dominate uh, the statewide constitutional offices. It's not a strategy that has worked very well. And you have to wonder uh, how many persuadables are still out there uh, in this election year if they continue to run on that platform. Uh, but again, uh, as we know well here in Illinois, all it takes is one uh, one day's news drop, one day's headline, one day's indictment to change the calculus dramatically. Uh, interesting to note at the same time that the company at the center all, uh, of all of this, Commonwealth Edison and their parent company, Exelon, uh, and this is all going back to uh, their apparent desire to try to grease the skids, get the legislation that they want by doing favors for people. Uh, they're back out there seeking more legislative favors. And instead of uh, this time using the carrot, they're using the stick, the threat of possibly closing down some of their nuclear power plants if they don't get what they want. Yeah, quite interesting. Sort of the the, the two-step that ComEd and its parent company, Exelon, uh, have executed over the last number of days. Um, at the same time that you have the CEO of Commonwealth Edison, the Illinois Utility uh, apologizing to the Illinois Commerce Commission, Joe Dominguez, saying that you know they had uh, failed to meet their own standards of ethics, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you had the CEO of the parent company, Chris Crane, sit, saying in a, um, it, to, to securities analysts that they're considering uh, closing uh, three plants, Dresden, Byron, and Braidwood nuclear plants uh, that are that could be economically unsustainable for the utility. So it absolutely is uh, a little bit of a mea culpa at the Illinois Commerce Commission meeting, but where it really matters, where the big boss, Chris Crane, is speaking and talking to security analysts, there is a, a veiled or direct threat, frankly, to say, uh, look, at, we're going to look at closing these, these power plants. And what is not said there, but what is absolutely implied because history shows us this is what happens. When when the utility closes a nuclear plant, they're not the ones who bear the cost of that. Ratepayers are the ones who bear the cost of that. And so that that cost is inevitably passed on to ratepayers. So the what what we're looking at as customers of that utility, those people in the state who are customers of Commonwealth Edison, is now a threat to say, hey, if we don't like the way things go, we might shut these nukes. 
You know, and it, it's got to be noted that uh, b- because of all the people that it employs, because of all the money that's involved, and because of Commonwealth Edison and Exelon's ability to make legal campaign donations, they already had and have tons of leverage to get their legislative agenda passed. It makes you wonder why they felt the need to resort to what they have now admitted was, in effect, a bribery scheme uh, to try to make that happen further. But uh, that is where they are right now. <laughs> And uh, uh, still wanting to be wheelers and dealers under the Capitol Dome. But uh, obviously, uh, there's a, a lot more uh, to learn about this. And every new revelation could very well change the dynamic. Well, let's uh, now move into the pandemic and the ongoing efforts to keep it contained. We have seen numbers growing in ways that are causing some alarm. The governor has another coronavirus briefing this afternoon at 2.30. We'll plan live coverage here on WMAY. Uh, David, obviously, uh, there are still ongoing fights about the governor's authority here in all of this. He's got a public awareness campaign urging people to wear masks. Uh, But there's very little ability uh, to meaningfully uh, enforce this among the general public. Some jurisdictions, including Springfield, are cracking down harder on businesses that are not taking appropriate mask precautions or ensuring social distancing. But for people out there who just simply choose to thumb their nose at it, there's very little really that can can be done, uh, and there are ongoing uh, court fights over whether the governor really has the authority to do any of the things that he's been doing. Bring us up to speed. Well, right. The, the latest uh, ruling just came down yesterday with regard to uh, a Logan County judge struck down Governor J.B. Pritzker's ban on transfers of prisoners from jails to state prisons. Uh, we've seen that the criminal justice system is one area uh, where you have this you know, huge ability uh, of, the, of the virus to spread through the population. And Governor Pritzker has tried to uh, arrest that, if you will, by um, uh, by limiting those transfers and, and uh, failed so far in the courts there. The governor's strategy generally, uh, when he is losing at the county court level, is to try to switch venue to the federal courts, where he has done uh, much better. Uh, he, he got a a ruling um, uh, earlier this week from uh, U.S. District Judge uh, Andrea Ward with regard to Orland Park, which had challenged his uh, orders, uh, claiming they violated due process and equal protection under the laws. And this federal judge ruled that uh, Governor Pritzker, under his emergency orders, has the right to protect public health and safety, and those other claims didn't stand. So the, the legal picture is really... Uh, complex and will continue to play out as different parties, for different reasons, uh, challenge the governor's authority. Uh, The governor's uh, legal team so far has been fairly effective in thwarting most of these legal challenges. And while that is going on, we have, uh, as you pointed out, Jim, we have the the machinery of government still moving forward, uh, a $5 million um, contribution toward uh, a campaign to persuade people to wear masks, uh, which frankly is perhaps money better spent and time better spent. Um, we are seeing that orders, direct orders, don't really work effectively. They're challenged legally or people just ignore them. And so it's sort of a winning the hearts and minds approach, which may in the end be uh, the better way to approach this because uh, whatever the law says, Uh, If people are persuaded that they're going to protect themselves and others uh, by wearing masks, uh, that's the way you're going to get compliance, not by ordering people to do so when you don't have 
the wherewithal to really enforce those orders. Well, you know, and that's the the issue is the enforcement part. The counterpoint, of course, is you look at seatbelt compliance, uh, which actually is now nearly universal since we started saying you could get a ticket for it at any time, not just as a secondary offense. And people have buckled up now with in, in greater numbers uh, once that started happening. But you have to be willing and able to enforce it. And that's been the big problem here. David, only about two minutes left. Real quickly, uh, we're still waiting to see what, if anything, Congress is going to do in an additional coronavirus relief package, how much, if any, additional funding will be coming to state and local governments. There's a lot riding on this because if that help doesn't come, we're, we're in some dire straits locally and statewide. Well, I think we may be in dire straits even if the federal help does come, frankly, given the impact that the virus still is having on the economy and the way that this is continuing to play out. But this latest round of uh, coronavirus relief uh, still hung up in the U.S. Congress. And as you point out, the, the, the Pritzker administration and many municipalities around the state are relying on uh, some next round of a bailout from the feds. Overnight, Mitch McConnell, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, indicated that there are compromises he is willing to make in order to get this deal done. Uh, they tried to separate out some of the um, uh, issues, such as the $600 per month uh, uh, benefit that were paid to people who lost their jobs. Uh, and the Democrats pushed back and said, no, we want that to be part of a package because they realized that if they got that, they'd lose their leverage over the rest of the package that's being discussed right now. Um, David, and I'm sorry to interrupt. We're, we're out of time here, unfortunately, but this is what we're going to be watching very carefully, uh, both in Washington and how it's impacting us here in Springfield and around the state as well. 20 seconds left. Tell people how to reach you and the BGA the rest of the time. Right. I'm at decrising at bettergov.org, and um, our website is bettergov.org. Lots of great reading there. Go check it out and check us out every Wednesday morning. Full disclosure here on the Morning News Feed. Thanks, David. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.